this month we've been talking about living life without regrets. Seems that many people do get to the end of their time on earth, look back at the life they've lived and wish they had done some things differently, have regrets. And we're wanting to live as disciples of Jesus in such a way that we minimize those regrets, bring honor to Him, and uh, live a life that blesses His kingdom. Research I've shared with you each week indicates that Americans 60 and older have certain regrets for the most part. Um, Last year, a research project asked those who are 60 and older in this country, what did they wish they had done differently to prepare for the final years of life? What are the things they wish were different? What do they regret? And all of their regrets, their, their top regrets, fell into really three categories, as you see here on on the screen. They're working, by the way, to get the other screen fixed. And for those of you on this side, if you can't see, if you'll look back there, you can see on that screen. Fell into these areas, financial issues and family or relationship issues. And we've talked about those already on Sundays. Today, we're going to talk about health issues. And that's the one that I've been sort of dreading because in life, that's the one that I've struggled with the most. But there's a lot of older people, when they they, they realize their situation, they really beat themselves up and wish they had taken better care of themselves along the way. Another research looked at what are the top New Year's resolutions people make. It's interesting. Do you know what the most common New Year's resolution in America is? What do you think? Lose weight. That was number one. Number five, stay fit and healthy. And number seven, quit smoking. Three of the top ten New Year's resolutions in America deal with health issues, taking care of yourself. And there's there's a verse of Scripture I want to remind us of, Psalm 139, verse 14, that says, I will give thanks to you. The psalmist in the previous verse says to God, I recognize that you are the one who created me and all of my intricacies and detail in the womb. And so I give thanks to you, Lord, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God did a great job when he created this human body. We sometimes do not do as good a job taking care of it. So we want to talk about that today. And and, and to help you understand, I'm not really preaching at you today. I mean, when I was struggling with weight and, 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 and really needed to lose a lot of weight, sometimes you did, I didn't want to hear people who had lost weight because have you noticed how when people lose weight they get preachy about it? Or people who've always been skinny are preachy about it, okay? And when you have an issue with it, you just don't want to hear about it, okay? It bugs you. You feel bad. Well, that's not my intent today. And to help you with that, I want you to know that this has been an issue that uh, I've struggled with practically my entire adult life. But there was a time when I was really skinny. Yep, that's me on the right with my sister and baby brother. And when my mother would buy me new clothes, she would have to hem the pants on both hips to get them to stay up. I was so skinny. And it was that way until pretty much high school. All right, let's slip to the next slide. This is my freshman year of college, 1976, when my sister was married. And I'm still in pretty good shape physically there. Hair's a little bit longer. Um, um, Actually, that was not real long for me at that time. It was longer at times. And to this day, I still hate getting the hair cut because I'm a child of the 70s. It just There's something about going to the barber. 
But, uh, all right, 1982, Monisa and I, that's our engagement photograph, and hair's still a little bit longer. But, you know, I'm, I'm not too over, but I'm, you're starting to see a little bit here, so it's starting to come just a little bit. Some of you have been on the same journey, haven't you? All right, next slide. All right, that's not a good picture. But I wanted, to, I wanted you to see the pouch, okay, that we're here in Rock Hill. Look what you all did to me. Yeah, it's your fault. I mean, and so the pouch was there, and it would only get a little bit bigger there and here. And then, uh, hold on, the, uh, there was a time in the early 90s and mid-90s when I lost weight and got down to what was my ideal weight. And I, I really wish even today I looked like I did in 91 and 92. You know, I was down and didn't have any fat on me and felt really good about it. But after a few years of being that weight, started putting it back on and put it back on and put it back on and put it back on and then put some more on and went beyond where I had been. And uh, All right, let's go to the picture. That's the beach. I call it the photograph. That was taken about... Uh, Three years ago. And uh, that photograph bothered me a lot. We were at the beach that summer, and and uh, I guess it was more than three years ago. That's about five years ago, wasn't it, baby? Five years ago. Yeah, Jacqueline's pregnant with uh, Liam there. About five years ago. And I didn't do anything immediately because of that photograph, but I will tell you, I felt terrible when I saw that photograph. Because here I'm standing there with my wife and kids and so on, and they're all fit and slim. And I felt like I was wearing for a shirt. I felt like I was wearing a tent. You know, just a big old, just a tent hanging out to hide everything. And I felt embarrassed. I felt ashamed. I felt bad. Not motivated enough to do anything. But I never forgot that photograph. I never forgot how I felt. And it just kind of stuck with me. It all came together when we rushed to the hospital um, late one night because I was having chest pains and thought maybe a heart attack. And uh, ended up, you know, it wasn't that, uh, acid reflux, and my heart is healthy, so that's the, 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 the good news. But those things together got my attention, and I said, i got to do something. And I don't know what triggered, you know, everything, but, but it kind of came together. That photograph and that experience at the hospital with the heart cath got my attention. Now, that's, that's now. I've lost 50 pounds. And I'm going to tell you at the end of the sermon a goal I have and something I want to challenge you to do. But I'm sharing that with you. you know, my journey's been up and down. And the truth is most of my adult life, has been spent not as physically healthy as I needed to have been. Now, I don't struggle with some other issues that some of you may struggle with. This is one I struggle with. So I'm not here to be preached, but I am here today to encourage you, to challenge you, to offer you some some helps and, and, and make you think about it uh, because you're already thinking about it, okay? So just want to, you know, in a, in a godly way, in a loving way, help one another. So Brother Terry Ezell is going to join me up here. He's a physician in our city and a member of our church and, you know, teach us Sunday school and deacon and so on. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, taking care of ourselves because it's really all about both the body, the mind, and the soul. It all is interconnected because we really do want to uh, avoid uh, having regrets. And I, would, you, would you say thank you to Terry for helping us out this morning? And there's a quote he found that I'd like us to begin with that I think says it really well. Would you read that on the screen and then, Terry, if you would... Just talk about that briefly. Sure. Uh, good morning. Um, if you can see the screen. Oh, it came up. Great. Um, good work, guys. Um, aging is an inescapable process. Anybody here who thinks they can halt the aging process? <laughs> no. 
I don't think so. Your only choice is to die or get older. I tell some patients, you get older or colder, which one do you want? <laughs> and so I'll take older, at least for now. Aging, you can't escape it, but aging well. That's what we all want to do, isn't it? Age well. That's a conscious choice. And really, the lifestyle choices you make throughout your years will determine if you age well or if you don't age so well. Now, the body. Let's talk about, we're going to talk about a few keys as it relates to health and aging well and you know, living without regrets at the end of your journey. Um, the master key that unlocks everything else is your body. Good health, if you think about this, it's a basic element that's really required to achieve a quality life and live a long time. Without your body working well, everything else is diminished. And the odds of longevity, the odds of quality as you age are greatly influenced by what you choose to do with your life and your personal lifestyle choices. Good choices can even slow the aging process at the DNA level inside your cells. So it's kind of important. Well, share with us some of the research uh, findings that, uh, that, you, that you think would help us. Sure. If you see the slide, it says the Alameda 7. Well, there is a guy who was a physician. His name is Dr. Lester Breslow, and he was a public health leader. He lived in Alameda, California. That's where the Alameda 7 came from. Well, he dedicated his entire life to understanding what it is that drives longevity. His research offered proof that people can live longer and healthier by changing certain habits. Now, isn't he also the, the guy that studied uh, people who lived to be more than 100 years old? He did. So he's, done, he's been involved. His entire career was about you know, what is it that gives people quality as they age and how can they increase their odds of longevity. Um, by the way, he lived to be 97. Um, well, I'm gonna, I'm, let's just walk through this list real quick. Don't smoke. Eat regular healthy meals. Eat breakfast. Sleep seven to eight hours per night. Alcohol in moderation, if at all. Maintain a healthy weight and exercise regularly with moderate intensity. Research has shown, research that Dr. Breslow did proved these seven characteristics were what he noticed. Now, I know in my family, I see the cigarette on the screen. That's been a big issue, smoking, also alcohol. Uh, and, and smoking tends to, it seems like it's coming back a little bit with younger people. So let's talk about that a little bit, the, the dangers of it. Right. Healthy habit number one, never smoke. If there was one thing you could do, only one thing you said, well, you know, I can't do all this, but I'm going to do one thing. The one most important thing for your health and longevity is to not smoke. might be the most important choice in your life. Smoking causes and accelerates many serious health conditions. Did you have any idea that, that all of these various dangerous chemicals were in cigarette smoke? Things like toilet cleaner, rocket fuel, sewer gas. Vinegar? Vinegar. Ooh. Lots of, lots of nasty stuff in cigarette smoke. And I'm going to show you a picture. The lungs on the left are smokers' lungs. That's what it looks like if you smoke all your life. On the right, normal healthy lungs. I'll give you another picture. The lungs on the left side of this, this slide are normal. They this, have a, this is a cross-section. That's right. The These lungs. lungs were removed from, uh, obviously, someone who died. And 
they cut these lungs in a cross section to show what was going on inside the lungs. And you'll notice that on the left side, the pink lungs, you see the trachea and the bronchi, the main stem bronchi coming off in a V. Those passages are open. You can see there's lots of room in there. Look at the others, the smoker's lungs. Completely clogged or destroyed by the long-term effects of cigarette smoking. So if the, the passageway is being very open to not, and not being open, what does that do to you? Well, you have no exercise tolerance. You're short of breath. You cough all the time. Um, I can just tell you about my father. Um, he started smoking when he was 9 or 10 years old. He would pick up cigarette butts off the sidewalk. Um, been smoking ever since. He's 80, year, he's 80 years old. He's in the last stages of COPD right now. He's what is COPD? Thanks. I always say that. Yeah. Emphysema. Y'all yeah. yeah. know that one? And COPD, for, for your information, is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Chronic because it's over time. Obstructive, all of these passageways are blocked. They're obstructed. Uh, and so my father's dying of COPD. Um, and he has tried to stop smoking in his way. He's never been successful. Um, and I think he's just accepted the fact that that's how he's going to die. Now, but so he's, but longevity is a part of your family history, if I remember. It was his. I mean, um, he had an uncle who lived to be in his 90s and was cutting hay on tractors in his mid-90s. Uh, his grandfather was killed by someone who ran a stop sign, T-boned him. He was 95 or so, still driving, still very vigorous. So, yes, had he not done this to himself, my guess is he would have lived into his, into his 90s with, with good health. His cholesterol is good. He has no heart disease. He had a heart cath. There's no, no blockages in there, which is amazing. And that's genetics for him. But his father, my grandfather, also suffered from the effects of smoking. He smoked early in his life. He rededicated his life. One, one year uh, became a deacon in the church and quit smoking. But it was too late for him because he developed bladder cancer from smoking. He didn't die of bladder cancer, but he developed bladder cancer. And people say, well, how does bladder cancer, what does smoking have to do with bladder cancer? People think docs are all, you know, down on smokers. No, we're, we, we want you to be healthy, so we encourage you not to smoke. But anyway, the way this happens is you inhale that cigarette smoke with all those things we saw on the slide. The lungs transport those chemicals into your bloodstream. Now, what, are, what is the filtering system of the bloodstream? Anybody know? Kidney, right? And what does the kidney make? Urine. And what is urine? It's concentrated substances that the body doesn't need or want in the fluid called urine. Where is that stored? Your bladder. Day after day, week after week, year after year, decade after decade, those dangerous chemicals are stored in the bladder of smokers. And eventually it can cause cancer so it's like of the bladder. All that poison is in the bladder, and over time it, uh, it does damage and can lead to That's cancer. That's exactly right. That's okay. exactly right. Now, again, I'm going to show you these multiple times so that you'll memorize them. You know, the more times you see something, often maybe you'll remember some of it. That's the Alameda 7 again, keys to health and longevity. Now we're going to talk about another problem, clogged arteries. I bet McDonald's loves that slide. <laughs> I do believe that's a Big Mac. Yeah, it looks good. Yep. <laughs> Tastes good. <laughs> I never said this was easy, folks. <laughs> So another major health risk of smoking is clogged arteries. And that can cause heart attack, poor circulation, and stroke. But smoking is not the only thing that causes hardening of the arteries. Diet plays a part. Weight plays a part. Exercise or the lack thereof plays a part, large part, in these, in these health killers. The picture you see on the slide there, 
is discussing and showing you the process of hardening of the arteries. You know, you don't just wake up at 55 and, and, and have clogged arteries. That mm -hmm. process starts actually in your teenage years. It's been shown. They've done cadaver studies on healthy-appearing teenagers, and they already have uh, So some, some clogging is, is a natural process. It's a natural process. It's, it's the decay of these of these uh, of these particular bodies we have here on this earth when we when we have our glorified bodies in heaven we won't have hardening of the arteries or any of those things but down here it's one of the things you face it's a gradual process but unhealthy lifestyle habits like smoking excess alcohol poor diet no exercise and genetics and family history are very important in this too if people in your family had have have a history of of, of early heart disease early heart attack early cardiac death you need to be especially careful with these risk factors. So when you are unhealthy, you eat bad. You eat a lot of Big Macs or quarter pounders with cheese or doubles with cheese at Wendy's and things like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, yeah, all those good things. So you're saying that blockage gets bigger. It gets, it does. And you see what happens as you go down that slide. I mean, early on, you know, the buildup begins in your teens, but if you have bad health habits, then that process is accelerated and you begin to form plaques inside your arteries. Now, plaque itself is, is bad enough, and it narrows the blood supply, and so we call that in medicine ischemia. If you, if you aren't getting enough blood to a certain organ, it's called an ischemic event. What happens with a heart attack or a stroke is you already have these plaques in your arteries, and the plaque ruptures or cracks. And when that happens, the body sees that as, oh, we need to fix this. So what it does is it forms a blood clot where the plaque ruptures. And what happens then? The arteries completely blocked up. So the clot blocks. The clot blocks it. The clot plus the plaque yeah. block the artery completely. That's a heart attack. That's a stroke. Okay. Um, and if you think about it, you think about things that might have happened if somebody had a heart attack or a stroke. These days when you get to the emergency room, they try as quickly as possible to get you to the cath lab where they do a heart catheterization or do an x-ray of your head, and then they try to instill these clot buster medications. They're trying to dissolve that clot and restore blood flow okay. so that there's not permanent, um, permanent well, problems. I know you've got a slide that shows Next a cross-section. Yeah. yeah. Now, this is, a, this is actually a, a coronary heart artery cut across, and you can see the plaque in the wall of that artery. What? It doesn't look very nice. No, it doesn't. It looks, like, it a looks like a clogged drain in your house that's had too much grease and hair and all that stuff down the bath, bathtub, yeah. you know? And that's inside your body. And that's inside your heart arteries. Now, what happens if someone, say, is 45, 55, and they change their lifestyle and start eating healthier? What impact does that have on that? Um, it's a very positive impact. Um, will this go away? Not completely. But what you can do is stop the process of it continuing to, to build. build and worsen and worsen. Okay. Yep. Again, have y'all got those memorized yet? Okay, those are important. Another problem in this country. Oh. <laughs> I did this one for Steve. Yeah, that's what a picture. <laughs> mm. Look, good, good eating habits and regular exercise and maintaining a healthy weight, that's three things that were on that list, right? Look at the effects of obesity on health and happiness. Everything from lower life expectancy to cancer to diabetes to depression. Now look at this. South Carolina is the sixth most obese state in this country. One in four children in this country are overweight, are obese, and it starts in many cases in childhood or teenage years. 
Does anyone identify with that image? I hear people. Yes, you do. <laughs> do. Do your kids or grandkids come to mind? Do you come to mind? Are you setting a positive example for those kids? Computers, video games, TV, poor food choices, lack of exercise, etc. That's what you see there. Kids today are electronically overstimulated and physically underexercised. And it's, it's a major health problem in this country. And it's going to get worse going forward if we don't reverse what happens. And, and with us as adults sitting in, at our desk and doing a lot of work, the sedentary. Sedentary lifestyle is a big problem. You know, the computer really hit the workplace, I don't know, 1990 maybe or something, maybe 20, 25 years ago. Uh, the Internet maybe in 1995. I remember I, I came to town in 1995, and I remember I was driving to CMC Pineville Hospital to go see somebody, and there was this thing on the radio about AOL, you know, and I was like, ah, hmm. you know, well, look. Yeah. And it, it was right as its infancy, and in 20 years, look where we are uh, in, terms of, in terms of electronic stimulation, et cetera. Look at this statistic. These statistics are scary. One in three kids overweight or obese. <coughs> Two of three kids no daily physical activity. 96% of elementary schools in this country offer no physical, uh, physical education classes anymore. It was standard when we were growing up. Yeah. When I was growing up, it was a standard thing. And look at this. Seven hours per day, on average, in front of a TV or a computer screen. No so wonder. TVs or some other form of technology. That's right. Phones, whatever. You're sitting. Yeah. You certainly don't want to be doing them when you're driving, we hope. Yeah. Um, you know, no wonder this country is one of the most obese nations on the planet. Yeah, and that we don't just naturally get out and move anymore with our work, mm -hmm. with our lifestyle. And uh, we don't, you know, when I grew up, um, the work, the place I least wanted to be when I got home from school was in the house. Yeah, you had three channels, all soap operas. A lot of you may not know this, but that's the way it was. Yeah. Um, three network, three channels. That's all. Three not, channels, not, not two hundred. Three, three. That's CBS, it. NBC, ABC. Correct. And it was all soap operas starting in the afternoon. I guess for stay-at-home moms or grandmoms, I don't know who watched them, but. Not me, not, not all my peers. We were all outside. We were, we were riding bikes, playing football, running through the woods, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't happen now. Yeah. And it's a big issue in terms of just the way society has changed. Uh, so which points to the need to be intentional. Uh, otherwise, culture takes over and, and it Absolutely. works against us. Absolutely, it okay. sure does. Um, the, um, again, <clears throat> the cost of inactivity. What does that cost us as a society? We'll look at that in just a minute. Now, 30% of adult Americans do get regular exercise. So about a third of us exercise somewhat regularly. But 40% get no, i.e. zero, physical activity at all. If we could get people in this country to be more active, more physically active, we could save $70 billion of medical costs. But let me tell you what we're going to spend this year, 2015. This has come out. You can find it anywhere. We're going to spend $3.27 trillion dollars on health care this year. That's nine zeros. I can't imagine numbers that big. It's always less expensive to prevent disease than it is to treat disease. Always. Prevention is key. Alright, so are there, is there research that talks about the impact that just sitting watching TV, not moving has? Uh, sure does. This couch potato lifestyle that a lot of us um, move toward um, every two hours of TV per day, 23% increased risk of obesity, 14% increased diabetes. People who sit all day in their jobs and computers, sedentary type lifestyle, have a greater chance of dying early. 
There seems to be a change in your body's metabolism when you're sedentary. It actually produces a change in the metabolism that promotes some of these diseases we've talked about, such as obesity, heart disease, and diabetes. So if it's two hours, does increases by 23%, and the average person seven is hours, doing seven saw, hours, yeah. then you're up to almost uh, it's, 80, it's 80%. Not, <laughs> so you're almost doubling your likelihood of obesity Absolutely. and diabetes if you're sedentary. Absolutely. Bottom line, there it is. Move more, sit less. You need at least two and a half hours of moderate activity a week. Look, it is not bad to sweat. A lot of us don't <laughs> want to sweat. It's not bad to sweat. Now, to break this down, you need basically, you can do it how you want, five 30-minute sessions a week, four 45-minute sessions a week, three one-hour sessions a week at a minimum. Walking at a brisk pace is great exercise. Look for ways to move. Take the stairs, not the elevator. When you go to Walmart, park way over in the corner. Lots of people will be happy you did. You won't get as many scratches on your car either. That's right. That's a side benefit. So move more and sit less. Again, here we are, another problem, big health hazard, alcohol. And my family hit the trifecta because my family history is fat, drunk, and smoke. (laughs) You are behind the eight ball, brother. Well, I'm a big success story. Don't drink, don't smoke. Two out of three is Two really out of good. Three. So I'm working, well, on, the, I'm working on the third good. one. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, alcoholism is a big issue in my family history and, and uh, addictive nature. But that's why when I was young, I decided don't even, don't even start because there's no, no guarantee I wouldn't become addicted. Exactly. Well, that was wisdom in that. You can see what happens if you drink to excess. You know, one in four people in the U.S. are affected by alcoholism. Raise your hand. Mm. Anybody, anybody here got a family member or relative that struggles with alcohol? I mean, there are going to be a lot of hands that go up and, and some that should that won't. It's a real problem. It is a real problem in this country, and it creates a lot of different health issues. You look at this slide, heavy drinking is dangerous to your health in so many ways. Liver disease, inflammation of the pancreas, dementia, heart disease, cancer, and there is a genetic tendency toward alcoholism. Yeah. If there are alcoholics in your family, you are genetically inclined to be at risk for alcoholism. So if your family has that history, you need to be very careful with alcohol. You're tempting, by, you're tempting fate if you're going to play with the firewater. It's, yeah. it's just not the thing to do, yeah. not the safe thing to do. And, and for a lot of us, just kind of an, an add-on here, um, changing, changing the history of our family, because some of us, you know, somebody has to start a new family history, and there's some in this room, that's where you are. You're the one that's going to have to start a new family history history. The future is going to be very different than the past, and it's got to start somewhere. And yep. So if that's your situation, I really encourage you to, to dig deep and let that person be you. Yeah, great, great yeah, we'll advice. We'll take a little more time. Great advice. Now, another thing in addition to the body is the mind. If you're going to function to your fullest capacity, you've got to have a healthy brain, right? Yeah. Your brain, just like your muscles, requires regular exercise to stay sharp. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Exercise helps brain function. You look at that slide, aerobic exercise, you're 30% more likely to maintain cognitive function as you die. That's thinking, how you think, how your brain works. Don't smoke. Here's another thing about smoking. Twice as likely to stay sharp in old age if you don't smoke. And it's important to maintain social networks. 25, 24% more likely to preserve your ability to think and function if you aren't a social recluse. Get out and hang out. It will help preserve your brain function as you age into your golden years. Social is important as well. That's the key to enjoying life. Look, we're all social creatures at heart. God made us that way. Absolutely. He created us that way. What did he say early on? It didn't take God very long to figure out it was not good for man to be alone. Right. You know? 
And so there's no doubt that we all require those social networks, that social connectivity if we're going to have an optimal life and live with no regrets and you know, live as long and as, as richly as God intends us to do. There are some things up here as you begin to get older and retire, things to think about on that list. There are compelling reasons not to quit. All of us look forward to retirement in America like that's the goal. Yeah. It really isn't. You should let a new season of life begin at that point. You might want to go back into the workforce. Make sure you exercise your mind. Make sure you do something to interact with other people. Now, look at this. Next slide, I think. That's social isolation. The oh, yeah, the social isolation. Yeah. Yep, thanks. Look at what it causes. Social isolation can make you sick. Increased stress. Increases hardening of the arteries. Inflammation in your body. Diminished brain function. Those are documented biological negative effects of loneliness. There's another reason I want to encourage you to get in Sunday school and learn the Bible, but it might help you live longer too, or a small group, get connected <laughs> with some other Christians. There's no question. We need to be in community, don't we? Yeah. Look at this quote. This was done by a guy, a gerontologist, is a doctor who specializes in aging. And this guy's a Ph.D., and he says, those who regularly interact with their friends and peers are usually the happiest, healthiest, especially when these connections are maintained and preserved over the course of a lifetime. Did you know that they surveyed older adults? And the number one most important factor for enjoying life as you got older, what do you think it was? Most people would have said, I have enough money to retire, but that's not the case. It was contact with family and having a strong social support network. God created us to be in community, not isolated from community. All right. As we wrap up, let's talk about some tests and things you would encourage people to do because being proactive is important. So Absolutely. to identify where you are, the status of your health, what would you suggest people do? If you look at the screen, these are things that have been proven to be relatively inexpensive but very important in terms of you being proactive about you know, taking care of your body and, and avoiding certain things. Get your blood pressure checked. Blood pressure elevation relates itself to heart disease and stroke and kidney failure. A lot of people never get tested, and those that have blood pressure aren't being treated. And you know, it's, it's interesting about hypertension or blood pressure problems. You know, you don't feel bad. You don't feel bad. So you, you ask people, are you taking your blood pressure medicine? Well, you know, I got up this morning, my face wasn't red, so I didn't feel like I needed it. Mm. No, you need it. High cholesterol, heart disease, poor circulation, stroke. There are lots of drugs that are effective. Exercise and proper diet help with that a lot. Diabetes, there are 80 million borderline diabetics in the U.S. Vascular disease risk assessment, very important because vascular disease and the things that go with that, vascular means blood vessels. That's what we're talking about. So vascular disease in your carotid arteries can produce a stroke. In your brain produces a stroke and poor, poor brain function. In your heart, a heart attack. All kinds of things. So you want to get that done. Make sure you get screened for colon cancer once you're about 45 to 50 years old. That's just a little test they can do with a, with a little bit of stool and a little slide. It's no big deal. Get an eye exam. People say, okay, I'm seeing fine. Why do I need an eye exam? Because you can pick up the very early stages of high blood pressure or diabetes by looking at the back of the eye. Hmm. So, now, How old were you when you had your first um, uh, colonoscopy? I was about 42. And the reason I did that is because when I was in medical school, uh, one of my urology professors in Charleston was about 50, and he was diagnosed with late-stage colon cancer. At 49 or 50, he left a wife and five kids two or three years later. Mm. And I told myself, I said, I don't really want to do a colonoscopy. I sure don't like the prep. That's the worst part of it, by the way. And it was like, but I'm doing it. 
And I've, I'm 55, and I've had, and you know what? I had a polyp. Yeah. I had polyp when I had my first colonoscopy. So, yeah. I had my first at 45. I had, um, and so I've had polyps each time they've done it. And I, it takes those a decade or so to become cancerous, typically. Typically, that's right. So I've thought about that. Uh, I'm 57. It's possible I would be battling cancer today if I'd not had that colonoscopy when I was 45. So don't be embarrassed to have one. No, um, it's one of the one of the simplest things you can do that could prevent a lot of deaths that don't need to occur. And I'll tell you what, a lot of times maybe your insurance company won't cover at age 45. They may say you have to be 50 or whatever, but I'm gonna tell you that's money well spent. That's money well spent. I, I run into people not infrequently that you know they get it at age 50 or something. And certainly if there's a family history, be aware of your family medical history. Things that pop yeah. up and, and and you see it frequently, <clears throat> you're at risk for those things as well. Be right. careful. But would you say thank you to Terry? Appreciate it, brother. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Right. Now, in my own situation, I've lost 50 pounds, and um, my cholesterol. Apparently, I have good heredit, you know, good family history on that, because even when I was at my heaviest, it was only at worst about 215. It's down to about 150 now since I've lost weight, so it's in a it's in a good place, and I've been on blood pressure pill for the last few years. But the dosage has be, has decreased 75% since I've lost this weight, and that's a pretty significant decrease in in, in blood pressure. And that's the only thing I'm on. No cholesterol is that one very small amount for blood pressure. So it's made a big difference in my life. Now, what I want to do is a wrap up is show you some Bible verses because God does say a lot about that. And I thought this would be an interesting first verse. Would you read that? Yeah, just go ahead and kill yourself. Do I need to say anything else? But there's more. Um, Proverbs 23, 21. The heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe one with rags. You know, being an alcoholic, uh, being overweight impacts your energy, impacts your career, impacts your life. And it's something to really think about. I put the next verse up because it's one that people sometimes use to say exercise and taking care of yourself is really not important because godliness is more important. Godliness is more important. But the reason given, oh, and we lost that screen again, the reason given is godliness affects you in this life and in the next life, in heaven because of rewards and so on. Taking care of yourself physically only affects you in this life. It doesn't affect you in eternity. Well, except that it could get you to eternity quicker if you don't take care of yourself. All right? So the Bible is not saying ignore your health. It's saying that being godly in life is more important because of this life and the next life, but taking care of yourself does still have value. Let's go to the next verse. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And I had to tell you, when I felt so ashamed as I looked at that photograph of me wearing my tent at the beach... I didn't feel like I was bringing any honor and glory to God. Do you not know that your body is a temple? Now, many of you have heard that verse before. In the Old Testament, a devout Jew would had very special attachment to and feelings for the temple in Jerusalem. Historically, Western Christianity has put a lot of focus on buildings and and, you know, the church is us, but we call the building the church. That Biblically, that's not accurate, but that's what historically we call the building. And so there were all these rules about what you could or could not do in the building because it's the temple. Well, no, biblically, 
Biblically, this building's not the temple. Biblically, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are. I am. We are walking temples to bring honor to Christ, to bring worship and glory to Christ through our lifestyle, through our communication, through our priorities, through our decisions, through how we take care of ourselves, all that. We are the living, walking temples. It's not a building. It's us. Next slide. Be transformed. Terry talked about the importance of the mind because it's all connected. Be, how do you change? How, do you, how are you transformed by the renewing of your mind? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Something has to click in here. We have, to, we have to think right. We have to have the right attitudes. We have to have the right information. The way we think is critical to the decisions we make. Now, remember, we've said every week this month that one of the principles from, from living a life without regret is, is, is important how we see ourselves because how we see ourselves influences the decisions we make. Do we see ourselves as a temple of God? Do we see ourselves as a living sacrifice, as a drink offering, as the Apostle Paul said and in, in, we looked at in previous verses? So the way you see yourself, if you see yourself as a temple of God, that impacts the decisions you make. The decisions you make, the next principle was what? It impacts how you live. And then how you live determines how you feel, what regrets you have or don't have when you get to the end of your life. So do you see yourself as that? You've got to change your thinking. If you don't see yourself as a temple of God, you don't see yourself as a sacrifice to Jesus, you don't see yourself as a servant of the Lord, then you need to change your thinking because that drives everything else. All right, next slide. A wise man will hear an increase in learning. Men of understanding will acquire wise counsel. You know what intrigues me about that verse? Is the person who wants to know more is already a wise person. The fact that you want to learn is a sign of wisdom. And the wiser you are, the more you will still want to learn. If you've reached a point where you think, I know everything, I mean, all of us have people in our lives who are know-it-alls. If you've reached the point where you know everything, you're not teachable, the Bible says you're a fool. Now, that's not my language. That's Scripture. That's what God says about a person who says, I know everything. I'm, I'm not teachable. I don't want to learn. The wise person, he says, wants to learn. And so our mind, learning, whether I'm 15, 55, or 85, continuing to learn, continuing to sharpen my mind, continuing to learn how to think more like a Christian. All right, next verse. This is the verse we've looked at every week since the last Sunday of December. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I've, I've challenged us for the last several weeks, instead of making New Year's resolutions, to identify those things that God is wanting to do in our lives. What is God wanting to do in your life? What is God wanting to improve, change, fix, do differently? What are those things that God's wanting to accomplish through you for the sake of the kingdom? What are those things that God wants to do in your life to help you grow in your relationship with Him, your relationship with other people, in your preparation for the future, for retirement, for heaven? What is God saying to you? Through all these weeks, what are those things that God's been talking to you about? And rather than saying, well, here's my New Year's resolution, identify what God wants to do, draw a circle around it like a big old bullseye and pray about it and pray, pray, pray. Whatever God puts on your heart, pray about it every day because if you pray about it every day, things will change. They really will. Because when you pray about something every day, your thinking changes. How you feel about it changes. 
What you do changes. You cannot pray about something every day and stay the same. So rather than making a New Year's resolution, write it down, draw a circle around it, commit yourself to pray for that. Pray for that every day until God answers that prayer. Keep praying. Don't quit. Now next Sunday will be the last sermon in this series on regrets. We're going to have a commitment card. And I'm, on, I'm going to ask you to write on that commitment card the things that God has revealed to you that He wants to do in your life through Scripture by the Holy Spirit. What are those things He wants to accomplish in 2015 that you're going to pray about? And I'm going to invite you to bring your list to the altar and get on your face before God and say, God, this is it. These are the, this is the thing, these are the things you have said to me that you want to do in my life this next year. And I'm not going to just think about it. I'm not going to just wish things were different. I'm not going to, to, you know, make a resolution. God, I'm getting on my Facebook for you, and I'm going to pray about this. I'm giving myself and these things to you, and I'm going to pray and pray and pray. And God, in so doing, you will show me what to do. You will give me the strength to do it. You will help me. God, I'm committing myself and what you want to do in my life to you. We're going to bring it to the altar and make a commitment to the Lord next week. What is God saying to you? Not about anybody else. Not about this church. What is God saying to you about you? Your physical life, your spiritual life, your financial life, your relationships, any part of your life. What is God saying to you? Bring it to the altar. Bring it to the Lord next Sunday morning. Now I also want to encourage you, so I've got one more verse. I can do all things through Christ, through Him who strengthens me. You're not alone. You have Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. You also have your family of faith. You have your brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't have to do it alone. Get connected with other believers. Get into Bible study. Get into a small group. Get into Sunday school. Get connected with other believers. Now, I've been maintaining my weight. Pretty happy with that. But God's been showing me need to do more. So the goal for me, the thing that God's put on me, one of the things is I'm going to lose 20 more pounds this year. And since today we're talking about health, I know there are people in this room who need to lose weight. And it's, it's been on your mind, your heart. God's talking to you about it. Your spouse is talking to you about it. Right? So let's do it together. And I want, to, I, want, I want to encourage you to, to, to make a commitment today. Take this journey with us in 2015. It may be 5 pounds for you. It may be 50 pounds for you. I don't know what it is. Mine for 2015 is another 20 pounds. Okay? So when I'm done, that will have been 70 pounds. Every Wednesday on my blog, so if you go to the website, you, you, you go to my blog, every Wednesday starting this week, I'm going to write a, a, a post about my journey. And so I'll tell you, Every week, how the week's going. I did had a good week, had a bad week. I lost a pound, I gained a pound. You're going to go on the journey with me. I'm also going to put some stories. I want to link some resources, some things to encourage you, to help you, to, you know. there's Listen, there's no one program that works for everybody. I get that. But you got to find something. So I want to put as much information out there as I can. I mean, it all comes back to lifestyle, to eating and exercise and all of that. But uh, there's different different. Yeah, I don't want you to do anything. Don't do anything crazy, but um, but go to my website every Wednesday, and in the comment section, tell us how you're doing. We'll make it like a community thing, okay? A church community thing where we're just talking to one another. I had a great week. I had a bad week. Pray for me. 
um, or give me a good recipe, okay? Give me a good recipe. So every Wednesday, starting this week, just check out my blog, and we'll talk about that. But today, I want you to make a commitment because nothing gets done without taking the first step, and the first step is deciding. The first step is making a commitment. Next Sunday, commitments about everything God is saying does He wants to do in 2015. So spend this week praying, thinking, writing things in your journal, making a list, and come prepared next Sunday to do business with God. We're going to make time in the service to be here at the altar. So let's stand, and we're going to sing our invitation song, and I invite you to make your way to the front. Now, I remember those moments when I was embarrassed because of being overweight. Some of you feel that. I get that. But I, if, if God's talking to you and you feel the need, I'm inviting you to come and get on your knees here at this altar as, as, a, as a commitment to the Lord. Lord, this is what I know you want me to do. I need to do it. And God, I'm humbly submitting myself to you publicly to say I will do it. And that takes some courage. I get that. But that's the invitation. Now, for others of you, you need to join this church. I invite you to come. Jamie and myself will be here. Counselors are here. There are some need to request baptism. Some need to give their heart to Jesus and be saved. I mean, God wants you to be healthy. But even more important than that is God wants you to be saved and ready to die. God wants you ready for eternity. God wants you to be forgiven, to have a relationship with Him. God wants you in heaven when that day comes. So I'm inviting you to come to Christ. Because Christ is standing here with open arms to receive you. So as we sing together, will you make your decision? You come right now, quickly.